Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. We got one more hour live. It's not uh, usual for us during the week to be on till 2 a.m. So if you want to call in, you can at 314-436-7900. A few things I wanted to get to, and part of it was talking about the plan that Joe Biden will be putting in, uh, basically focusing on masks, vaccinations, and schools. And I also want to talk about where the latest stimulus talks are, because there was discussion today. And well, a couple of uh, senators, including Bernie Sanders, pretty upset <laughs> right now with the way it sits. And going back and looking at what was proposed before versus what they're about to accept now, pretty different than what could have been in the uh, talk of stimulus. So we'll, we'll get to that too. So, but let's, let's first focus on Joe Biden's three-part plan to tackle the coronavirus. And this is what he said he wants to do in his first 100 days of the administration. He says that he wants to um, put together masking vaccinations and opening schools, the three keys for his his uh, plan. So let's start with goal number one, the COVID plan here. First, my first hundred days is going to require, I'm going to ask for a masking plan. Everyone for the first hundred days of my administration to wear a mask. It will start with my signing an order on day one to require masks where I can under the law, like federal buildings, interstate travel on planes, trains, and buses. I'll also be working with the governors and mayors, to do the same in their states and their cities. We're going to require masks wherever possible. But this goes beyond government action. And so, as a new president, I'm going to speak directly to the American people and say what I'm saying now. We need your help. Wear a mask for just 100 days. It's the easiest thing you can do to reduce COVID cases, hospitalizations, and death. Help yourself your family, and your community, whatever your politics or point of view, mask up for 100 days once we take office. 100 days to make a difference. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic act. Yeah, boy. All right, so let's just um, let's just talk about that. So just think, think about this real quick. 100 days, roughly three months plus some, you know, 30, 60, 90, then a little bit of change. So let's say he takes office in January. Then you have February, March, April. So you're basically end of April if the masks were worn during that time. So what happens at the end of April? Well, you get through this terrible flu season, which we've saw, okay? And basically it would be a little bit less likely for the spread because you also have vaccinations taken in a part. So what what happens when you hear 100 days? Doesn't that just reminisce of the start of this whole coronavirus thing? Oh, we just did. We're going to flatten, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve or a month to flatten the curve. And then we're over and over and over again. And it's all about the different 
things that will it actually make a difference? Like, let's go back to the St. Louis County. Does closing indoor dining make a huge difference? Well, there's even discrepancies between the city and the county. St. Louis City says not really enough evidence to say indoor dining is the cause of the spread of the coronavirus that we're seeing the upticks for the hospitals. County says, no, uh, we think so. So we're going to close down these restaurants. And you have a giant economic impact when it comes to ushering in, closing all of these restaurants down. The ones who have been playing the game and doing so responsibly and the ones that are sitting here saying, why are you targeting us and no one else? So if it's really uh, an issue, then why not the casinos or fill in the blank? So yeah, there is a political side to this. It doesn't you know, it does is is it political in this sense? I don't know. But what I'm saying is when Joe Biden comes in here and says, oh, 100 days. OK, you understand we've been through this before. We know how this plays out. All right. Number two. Secondly, this team, this team will help get at the latest at the last 100 million COVID-19 vaccine, at least 100 million COVID vaccine shots into the arms of the American people in the first 100 days. 100 million shots in the first 100 days. And we'll follow the guidance of science to get the vaccines to those most at risk. That includes healthcare professionals, people in long-term care, and as soon as possible, we'll include educators. Educators. So is that any different than what they were talking about already? Is their priority any different there? Uh, probably not. I, I don't think there's any change in that sense. And even like the first one, I'm going to go directly to the American people. J- uh, Donald Trump was doing a press conference five to six days a week when this thing first hit for the first month, at least probably first two months every day. And he would stand up and he would answer questions with the experts that were up there that were answering as well, the ones that were guiding the policy of what should be happening when it comes to fighting the COVID. And he would sit there and he uh, stand there and he would do this an hour and a half, sometimes even two hours in front of the press answering these questions and allowing other people to speak over and over and over again. Joe Biden says, oh, I'm going to go straight to the American people. I don't think he has it in him to actually stand in front of uh, uh, members of the press that are maybe critical of him because we haven't even seen that yet for an hour and a half, let alone 15 minutes. Uh, Let's go to number three. What's number three on the list? The third thing I'm going to ask in the 100 days, it should be a national priority to get our kids back into school and keep them in school. If Congress provides the funding we need to protect students, educators, and staff, if states and cities put strong public health measures in place that we all follow, Then my team will work to see that a majority of our schools can be open by the end of my first 100 days. All right. So that's so wishy-washy. So wishy-washy. So, um, again, you're going towards the end of the school year number one. (laughs) So basically you're saying we want you in school for like a hot minute and then we're going to get summer vacation time again. But let's look at uh, what he is promising there. If you were to play by the rules, then we're going to do everything we can to get schools back open. Now, again, this is something that's done on a district by district basis. Even it's not even something that's done by a state by state basis, city, district. They all have different plans, private versus public. A lot of people are still doing virtual because they feel more comfortable with it. That doesn't factor any of these things into it. Um, The funding for schools absolutely needs to be there. And I think a big part of what is going to happen when the uh, stimulus package comes back in is you're going to see more funding going in to help these sort of things happen in schools. But the, the whole idea was to get the schools open as fast as possible. I think all the districts want it. 
I think all the, uh, uh, the superintendents and most of them, they all do. Uh, so this is not something that is groundbreaking by any means. So Joe Biden's plan, nothing uh, radical per se. Basically, what he is highlighting are some points that we've been trying to do for a while. I don't know if he wants to to come in. It's almost like Donald Trump might have taken the ball and 99 yards down the field. And, you know, he's ready to pick it up for that last one yard. It seems like a lot of these points that he's bringing up here. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really hear anything in there that made me raise my eyebrow and say, oh, I can't believe he's doing that. If anything, I think you're going to find that there's going to be some conflict between some of the states. At least he mentioned he wants to do things that would allow him under law, uh, federally speaking. But then again, he wants to work with the individual cities and wants to work with the states, things like that. Uh, there's still going to be conflict when it comes to that, because even now, when you have Donald Trump, as uh, when it came to the coronavirus response, there were a lot of the different states that didn't want to play ball and they wanted to do things different. But the whole idea of Donald Trump was, hey, you're allowed to do what you want. Ask me if you need help. And um, that's what happens. And they were responsible for the results. And what you saw were some pretty terrible things happening in certain places. So is Joe Biden going to try to stiff arm? I don't know. He, I think he knows he really can't, uh, given the opportunity. But then again, is he just basically setting himself up for failure? No. I mean, we got the vaccine coming out. I mean, it's a pretty easy bet based on the Operation Warp, Warp Speed that put us at the point where we can actually get a vaccine out there to feel more confident to open these things up, to feel better about all these things. It's a pretty safe bet to go out and say all these things after all the work's been done, <laughs> to go out and try to run the ball an extra yard after it's already been driven 99 yards down the field. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. St. Louis's weather station, KMOX. Overnight America is here with you. Go ahead and participate if you like. But what I really wanted to look at was this most recent plan when it comes to the stimulus package. So we've been following this, and there really hasn't been a full agreement. But what they're looking at now is this $908 billion stimulus that they say the bipartisan group came together. But, you know, take it for what it is. But the idea is we're just going to fund the things that are 100% necessary and get that out of the way. In theory, I think this is not a bad idea. In fact, it's probably something that should have been done a long time ago. And this is where Bernie Sanders steps in. So <laughs> it's just, what, what ended up happening was, if you remember the way the negotiations worked, was that the Democrats wanted, you know, three, four trillion. The Republicans wanted one to two trillion, maybe just a little over two, something like that. They were off uh, basically by a lot over a trillion dollars between the two of their different packages and what the Republicans put together and proposed. The Democrats thought it wasn't enough and the Republicans thought the Democrats put too much into it. So what do we have next? We have just the things that we can agree on. Here's where this money for the stimulus package should be given. Part of that $908 billion does not include an individual portion of this. So in comes Bernie Sanders, who's upset, 
who's looking at the Democrats saying right now, let me do my best Bernie Sanders for you. You understand that the Republicans gave the individual checks and you turned it down. Oh, that doesn't sound like Bernie. I'm not doing the impersonations that well tonight. So the uh, so even though the stimulus deal hasn't been put in yet, they don't know. They thought maybe they can try to put it in when it comes to the latest budget, which they are up against. And it looks like they may be getting an extension, but they still have close till the end of the year in order to get something done. There's a lot of pressure to do that, to try to stop a partial government shutdown. And this would not be a good time for that to happen. But this $908 billion, it, it, Mitch McConnell sounded like he wasn't all that high on it. He didn't think it was all that great. I don't think because of the individual side, the there wasn't anything in there. Even Missouri's Senator Josh Hawley here has indicated that, hey, he's advised the president, not that he advises the president, but he said, you should veto this unless it has an extra direct payment to people. You've already seen some prominent business people get together and say this has to uh, involve another direct payment to the people. Does it actually need another direct payment? I think there's a lot of other priorities that need to be put in place first. Plus, then again, we really can't afford it. Do we need a reminder? How many times do we have to say to ourselves, can we actually afford this? Uh, for the first time around, it made sense. It made sense because, hey, we were in a very dire situation. We needed to at least get something going, and it probably would do more harm to do nothing than it would to actually give this sort of thing out. But it doesn't mean our situation is any better. Now, what we're going to see in a Biden administration is a lot more when it comes to handouts and things. I don't know if you saw this one story, and I may have to talk about it tomorrow. But Jack Dorsey, who is the founder of Twitter, the billionaire here from St. Louis, um, takes a lot of pride because he does put jobs here in St. Louis with his company Square, which he makes a lot of money. Uh, he started a pilot program for universal basic income. He worked with certain mayors in different cities across the United States that wanted to do this. And surprisingly enough, his hometown of St. Louis is not on that list, which was very surprising. But he's going to invest, what, $15 million to do a pilot program for universal basic income. Will it work? Probably not. Uh, anytime these different pilot programs are put together, it's always a pretty massive failure. So, I wouldn't hold out hope for that. Um, by the way, if you want to go back in history, you can even see when the Nixon administration looked into universal basic income and how that failed. Um, so you can go back and look at it there, too. It's not a, a new idea. But what I'm saying is you're going to see a much more friendly administration that wants to give much more handouts. So direct payments, even if something is not met by the end of the year, doesn't mean Joe Biden taking over in office wouldn't have more ability to do something like that. So this is where we are right now. Democratic senators led by Bernie Sanders want their colleagues to make sure there's a $1,200 payment put into the next coronavirus stimulus package. So you can take that $908 billion or whatever that you're going to be putting in there and then add a little extra into it for the individual portion of it. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people have bipartisan support. Now, what's going to happen next is the negotiation of that number because there was even an indication that the White House is going to push for 600 instead of 1200 per adult. So like you saw before, whatever you got, it would just basically be a duplicate of that. I don't know if they're going to wait until the taxes are filed for 2020, because before they took, what did they take it off the 2019, uh, 2019 taxes or was it 2018? Uh, it doesn't matter, but maybe it was 2018. I don't know if they're going to wait another tax cycle to see or not, but we're going to come into tax season again too, and people are going to be filing. And there's going to be all kinds of payouts from the government there, too. What's going to be the impact of that? Um, now, keep in mind, these individual payments were given tax free. So there's no obligation for you to pay taxes or repay these sort of things. Hopefully there's no change in that either. That would be pretty lousy for them to do that. 
Um, but Bernie Sanders is out there, you know, waving his finger at Democratic colleagues saying, you're dumb not to take the Republicans package before because now you're going to settle for a lot less. I don't know if the negotiations are just assuming that when Biden is in office, it's going to be easier for them to get what they want and that sort of thing. I think one of the biggest things is that there's going to be so many people out there with their handout when it comes to the more progressive policies that they're going to have to prioritize the progressive and what's going to get in there too. Uh, but you know, as we go down, they hope to get some indication of what would be happening here. Uh, Republicans say that even if it is just six hundred dollars instead of twelve hundred, that could be a solution that maybe get some people on board. But what does that ultimately do? It's going to set up another one and another one, and we're just going to be talking stimulus forever. Uh, the bill would provide one hundred and sixty billion dollars to states and local governments, sixteen billion for vaccine rollout. I think it's important to point out that when they talk about vaccine rollout, we need to make sure there's no surprise hidden fees like. Originally, when we were talking about fighting the coronavirus and getting testing and things, that all of these extra surprise bills started coming in the mail when people thought they were covered because they would do other things that were not related to coronavirus and not tell you it wasn't covered. A lot of people got dinged with a bill there. That's not cool. Um, they also want to look at forgivable loans for small businesses. This is where there was so much fraud in the first package that people were collecting money and even organizations. Wasn't the Lakers one of the organizations? There were like large organizations that were taking money that was meant for small businesses, those that don't have access to a lot of rolling credit or access to money that they can pull out in a time of need. The ones that would more likely be to close their doors and fire people. So if that was the case, um, you need to really make sure when it comes to the forgivable side that you got all that other stuff cleaned up and investigated because the last thing you want is someone that fraudulently grabbed a bunch of money that was meant to go to small businesses, tied it up for themselves, ultimately didn't go to a small business, and then you're going to forgive it from them. No, boy, tie that up and make sure that is taken care of ahead of time. Mitch McConnell for a while there said that this is the direction we'd be going in. And, you know, even then, if you wanted to see it, I was looking at an article. I think Business Insider did a pretty good write up on it, mostly looking at the demands of Bernie Sanders. I really don't know how much sway Bernie Sanders still has. I don't think he's going to run for office, at least um, uh, president again. doesn't seem like it. He's up there in age. It seems like that was his last rodeo. I don't know what it would take to get his support, but he's been burned by the Democratic Party and he still played game there to begin with. Um, you know, I do give some credit to Bernie Sanders. I feel like of all of the Democratic candidates, he was the most genuine. I mean, he was genuinely uh, communist in a lot of the ways he was looking at things. Socialist is probably the best way. Genuinely socialist, but at least he was genuine. At least he knew where he stood on these things. Um, uh, you know, I, I do think that when we start to look at direct payments and trying to move these things out, I think they will find a way to do that. There is a lot of support for it. Um, I don't know if there is as much support as there was the first time around, but there is a lot of support for it. All right. When we come back, I do want to mention a few other things that are going on. Um, and I, I talked about this the other night, but there's been another push for Joe Biden to cancel student loan debt and through executive order. Can they do that or can they not? I'm just hoping there's a hard pass on it. I just really don't want this to be in our future. That'll be coming up in a moment. This is Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. We're going to um, shift things around just a little bit because we're starting to watch of what's happening in some of these different places when it comes to the news of what's going to be happening next with these checks, what's not going to be happening, things like that. 
And I think it's only a matter of time before we get to an answer, but it just takes time and it's taken a lot of time. And I think people are frustrated because they see an election went and gone and they don't quite have an answer of what's going to be happening there next. And that is rightful to uh, feel that sort of thing. So I might as well change this real quick because what I did earlier, I did the one story about the poor kid that went to go see that Santa Claus in Chicago into the mall. You think about a rarity anymore to go actually see a Santa Claus in person this year. Most of them just will not do that sort of thing. They definitely won't let you get close. Absolutely, you're not going to get close enough to get in contact. But some of them have done certain things to keep Santa safe, you know, maybe be wearing the masks and, you know, you're six feet apart and you're still trying to scream at each other, you know, yell. A kid already <laughs> trying to communicate with a stranger that far away isn't always the easiest thing, depending on how old the kid is. And we played this earlier. I, I just wanted to do this again because it is so something else what happened in this mall. So it happened in Chicago. PC Santa is what they're calling it. PC Santa sits down. The kid starts to say, okay, what do you want from Santa Claus? And the kid said he wants a Nerf gun, this specific thing. I don't know about you. When I was younger, I loved Nerf guns. They were so cool. The, the problem that it always brought up was that you always had whatever of the you know foam dart or the foam bullet or whatever that came with it. And there's no way your parents would ever buy you any supplementary uh, supplement ones, mostly because they were so expensive. So you had to keep really close track of these little things. They were worth their weight in gold for sure. But you always had fun. You go to your friend's house, you, you shoot, you play or whatever. You do target practice. It was fun. It, it killed a couple of hours. And then you're on your way. Now, they've become pretty sophisticated, these Nerf weapons. They look so cool anymore. You see these certain Nerf ones, and it's like, wow, man, that we've come a long way. It's like same thing with water guns. Those have come a long way, too. When I was growing up, you had a single pump gun, and it had one chamber. And then they came out with the one that had the two-tank water gun. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? There's a two-tank water gun out there from Super Soaker? Whew. Must be a rich family to get one of those bad boys. Today, they got battery-operated ones that are, like, <laughs> just pumping it for you. It's amazing. Backpacks and all of these things, and uh, everything goes crazy. But uh, so coming around time, Nerf is not out of the ordinary for a kid to want something like that for Christmas. They're still a pretty popular thing. They're foam, and they're harmless and sure, you don't want to get shot in the eye with one of them, but they're still harmless. They're, you're not going to be permanently uh, disabled if you get hit by a firm uh, uh, foam from Nerf. So when the kid goes up, I'm going to guess he's about five years old, talks to Santa Claus. What does Santa Claus say? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Santa does not do guns. And then the mom had to step in and say, no, no, no. He said Nerf gun. Goes, nope, not even Nerf. Santa don't do that. Well, wasn't that a way to ruin that kid's Christmas in Chicago? So ultimately, the mall realized their mistake after this was posted online and people were questioning, hey, uh, maybe this wasn't the best way to handle the situation. I read somewhere that the mall replaced that Santa. I don't know if that meant he was fired or whatever. It just, hey, don't come into work anymore. You know, it's a seasonal job anyway. It's not like a make or break thing, hopefully for him. Maybe would be a couple extra dollars, but so the mall decided to send a different Santa out to deliver this Nerf gun in an apology, and everyone went pretty good with it all. Uh, Stephen Crowder is an online radio. Well, he's not, I think he does a radio show, but he's mostly like an online personality. He's someone that 
will do like pretty controversial things online. He'll just like comedy bits and things. He's one of the most popular uh, online YouTubers. I think he's got 5 million subscribers as a commentator. Like him and Ben Shapiro are, are like right up there. I don't think he has the biggest of followings, but he's definitely one of the largest. He decided to talk to the parents and ask really what happened in that situation. And as it was pointed out, the mom and the uh, grandma were there for the kid. The dad was not because he's a police officer and he is an actual hero that was out on the streets at that time. And this is what she said, trying to break down what happened in that moment. The reason why we were video recording it in the first place was because Mike was on the street and he misses a lot of Michael's first. Okay. So we wanted to, we wanted him to see like a really cute exchange with Santa, his first time telling him what he wants, you know? And, um, that obviously was not the case, <laughs> but as it was happening, I looked over at my mom, like, is this really happening? Like I was in shock and I was almost like nervous laughing under like, yeah, is this really I, I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, you can obviously see the heartbreak on my son's face. Yeah, there it was. He started crying. The mom had to come in and say, oh, it'll be OK. It'll be OK. Well, what a uh, traumatizing thing. Now, that was his first time going to Santa. You know how Santa's normally work, though? I mean, the, the whole idea is they're noncommittal. They're, you tell them, like, you know, you bring the kids up and you've gone through this. And they say, what do you want? And they tell them. And then the whole idea is, oh, if you've been good, we'll see what Santa can do. I'll take a look in the workshop or, uh, you know, it, it's basically something that is not concrete, as in because obviously there's that window of opportunity where that's not going to work out. But it's not Santa's job, the guy at the mall's job to break and shatter the dreams of the kids that are coming out of their way to talk to him. It's not their thing. And it's also not his thing to try to put his PC nature into all of this. Like, oh, I need to change the character all of a sudden in order to make it and retrofit it to me. Because, you know, keep in mind, the kids, they're not there to see you. They're there to see the person you represent. All right. Santa Claus. So Stephen Crowder thought this would be an opportunity to actually talk to the kid and use this opportunity to try to redeem the memory for the kid. And part of his his uh, video cast that he showed earlier today, he said his mom does his makeup and he it took an hour to get the makeup right. And he dresses up and gets to the kid. And this is the uh, interaction between him and the kid. I thought this was hilarious, actually. <laughs> oh, 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 there's little Michael. Little Michael, do you know who this is making a call just for you? Who is that? Santa. This is Santa, that's right. And I understand that you're a fan of me, Santa, and uh, you had a little bit of a run-in with one of those uh, helpers at the mall who hadn't been vetted properly yesterday. Is that right? What do you, what do you call him? Um... Bad Santa. That's right. Bad Santa, who didn't pass the uh, chemical test beforehand, but we've taken <laughs> care of that. And as the real Santa, uh, I understand that uh, you know the rules of engagement here, that you've been a very... Have you been a good boy this year? <laughs> okay. He's joking. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know you've been very good this year. Now, let me ask you this, uh, young Michael. What is it? I know that uh, the helper, again, no association there. We're looking through HR, and I'll uh, get back to your parents about this. What was it that you asked that unqualified helper for uh, at the mall? Nerf guns. A Nerf 
Nerf gun! Ho, 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 ho! Well, that sounds like a wonderful gift, a wonderful toy. And that man told you no? Oh, well, let me tell you, that's not the that's not the real Santa. He's what your parents will teach you about when you get older. He's what we call a communist. And we <laughs> we had to get rid of them at the North Pole. <laughs> He's what your parents will teach you. Uh, communist. That is so funny. And I wanted to do this other thing, too, because there's one other in the spirit of Christmas, something happened. I really don't know how to feel about this one story. It is so bizarre. Uh, and by the way, that was from Steven Crowder. If you wanted to look him up on YouTube, he does a show called Louder with Crowder. It's a podcast, too. It's it's worth checking out if you wanted to. He's definitely someone that's um, more crude than this show. But I think uh, some of you may have already seen some of his work. He's pretty popular. So there was one story about a guy 40 years old that was going to meet his dad for the first time. These things, sometimes you go in search, sometimes you don't. Uh, sometimes people want to know, and a lot of times when you're young, you want to know who your parents are. The thing that surprises me is that sometimes you wait until you're an adult. Maybe there's just that sort of mystery. Um, you know, you hire a private investigator. Things were done so long ago. 40 years old and wanted to meet his biological dad, set up a meeting, and he thought, what better way to set up a meeting with my long-lost father than to dress up as Buddy the Elf from that Will Ferrell movie. Now, the premise of Buddy the Elf is that he grew up in the North Pole and he made his way down to New York and he found his biological dad and he had to prove that it was his son. And then he, you know, hijinks ensue and Spirit of Christmas uh, takes off or whatever. So kind of the same sort of thing. He dresses up, I mean, full-blown costume, Buddy the Elf, and goes to meet him while picking him up at the airport, dressed in this garb. I really don't know what to think about this. It's kind of weird to watch it. I can't imagine what's going through either of their minds with the amount of emotions and things. Crazy, crazy year. So I decided it's the season... <laughs> And who better to greet your dad, as, your long lost dad, as than Buddy the Elf? All right, so he's like parked on the side of the road at a gas station, and he's dressing up. He's putting this this uh, costume over his clothes, and he's getting everything ready. Because you know who else? What a better way to cut the ice. Yeah, what a better way. Let's go get him. I'm here with my dad. I never met. And I was adopted, but you never knew I was born. And now you found me, and you're here. And I guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, boy. All right. So he's dressed in this outfit. The guy's coming out. He's wheeling his suitcase, and he's dressed as Buddy the Elf, singing this operation that goes into this. You have to, number one, get the costume, but number two, he memorized the song that Will Ferrell sang to uh, the, the actor that was playing his dad in that movie, and he was able to sing it and recite it to him. Now, how do you think the dad responded? How would you respond to something like this? All right, so the guy came in and gave him a big hug. Aw, so cute. That is a risky move. 
<laughs> that is a risky, risky move. But it worked out for him, I guess. He did it in his own way. That's another viral video that's going out there. I guess now's the season. I mean, we're getting close. Being that we're just, uh, what, a little over two weeks away from Christmas. I can't believe it's almost here. They get all of us just ready to put 2020 behind us. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And the uh, Florida Department of Law may have a suspect that was sending out emergency alerts. Oh, boy, that's uh, a no-no. You don't want to be messing with emergency alerts. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a whistleblower, I guess, in Florida that was putting COVID data out, and the police raided the home. They believe that this is the same person that may have hacked into their emergency alert system and sent an unauthorized message to employees. Uh, Rebecca Jones was fired in May after uh, information was uh, filed, a whistleblower complaint against the state denying having any role in alleged intrusion into the state's website. Well, very well could be. I mean, people do make pretty dumb decisions and things. Um, and the way that these digital forensics work, when they want you, man, they'll find you. There's another thing I saw, and I wanted to do this because we only have a couple of minutes here left in the show. Um, I saw this on KMOX.com. Elon Musk officially said he is out and moving to Texas. Now, so many people have left California and they continue to leave California. After months of speculation, the Tesla CEO confirmed that he's moved out to Texas, focusing on SpaceX and Tesla's Gigafactory. You can find this at KMOX.com. He's 49 years old, billionaire, one of the richest people uh, in the entire world, continues to grow, has probably the highest potential to continue to grow. Him and the head of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. But Wall Street Journal, look at this as part of the interview. And he threatened to said, you know, I'm moving out of California. I'm done with this. I, I don't like the way that they were handling certain things. The taxes are outrageous. We're not seeing any benefit for what we're getting out here. Not shy to give criticisms to California, and rightfully so. Other pretty high-profile people have left. Um, you know, even Ben Shapiro was in California, surprisingly enough. It took him a while to move out of there. But, you know, um, and then also one of the big entertainers and podcasters now, Joe Rogan, moved out to Texas as well. And keep in mind, he just signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. And yeah, it probably would be better for you to live in a state that's more friendly to you when it comes to keeping your income for the hard work that you do to your own business than to also also improve the uh, livelihood of the people that work around you getting out of a state like California. One of the things about Elon Musk that's interesting is that Adam Carolla was looking at this and saying, you know, I think it's time for me to move out of California, too. There's a lot of people moving out of places like California and New York. You're seeing a lot of businesses leave because they see these yo-yoing of the regulations. And it's already think about how much expensive it is to even operate a business in New York, the astronomical cost of just space alone. So is it really worth having to deal with all these things when they won't even allow you to do business part of the year? answer is probably no. So get out of situations. People are leaving. Um, but Adam Carolla, also a broadcaster out of California, he's saying he's moving his outfit. And he said, if the smartest man in the world, Elon Musk, says, get out of California, then you should probably listen to him. <laughs> I don't know if Elon Musk is the smartest guy, but he's definitely uh, someone that takes the risks in the right places. And man, have they paid off. It's almost like he has some sort of time traveling ability and he knows the right bets to make. All right. We'll be back again tomorrow. You can join us 
at KMOX.com in the podcast section. Listen back to any hours of the show, or you can just look for Overnight America wherever you get your podcast. Also, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. That'd be a great spot for you to go and connect with me on there. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow night. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.